Oh yeah, I like the sound of that, and I know that you're gonna like the sound of it too. This is The Manny Wolf Show, where I pull no punches, I don't hold back in my conversations with some of the most interesting minds on the planet. So, put us in your ear, turn the volume up, and hang on for another episode. And it looks like we are live. Welcome back to another episode of The Manny Wolf Show. Today I have with me a friend, colleague, and a fellow broadcaster, Adam Cox. Adam, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here, Manny. So originally I thought we would talk a little bit about how to pimp your podcast. And what I meant by that was um, you launched a podcast that I was a guest on, <clears throat> and I was a guest pre-launch, correct? Yeah, yeah, you were actually. It was mm-hmm. a it was a strange one. So I accidentally became a broadcaster. So <laughs> I mentioned just before we went live that I have a broadcast PR agency, and and basically what happened is there was a radio station in central London that I knew were downsizing. They had excess studio space, so I reached out to the owner and I and I said, hey, you know, keen to check out your studios. I might want to hire them, and uh, and I didn't realize this guy created a, a big finance company you know similar kind of company to fidelity called the share center in the uk and and his legacy was to have a radio station that educates people about personal finance Mm. so i had a chat with him and i said hey i've got this kind of content company that creates original content and he says well look you know if you ever want to use the studios um and if that content is usable for us at the same time as being usable for you no studio hire but you know it will go out on the radio station so i said hey you know that sounds cool yeah. And then literally a week later, there was a, this huge cybersecurity company and they had the vice president of kind of security talking about how um, hackers and scammers exploit the psychology of our emotions. So greed, curiosity, you know, um, all these kind of fear to use that emotional state to kind of then extract money or or leverage from them. So I had a 25 chat, 25 minute chat with this guy and it went out on the radio station and then I get like literally a flurry of emails saying when's the next episode. Ah. So I never intended to be a broadcaster um but you know I was doing that show for uh, I still am doing that show on a personal finance radio station uh, the only one in the UK that's national um and the show was called Modern Mindset because I was looking at the psychology of finance and business rather than just personal finance. And I love personal finance, mm-hmm. but I'm more interested in psychology. So it kind of it overlaps. And then basically what happened about six months ago, they did something that in my opinion, I didn't really agree with. They put a paywall on the radio station and I knew that that would immediately decrease the amount of audience. But I love having good guests on the show and that kind of stuff. So right. basically what happened is I thought, you know, I'm going to repurpose all my old episodes, plus reach out to new people, mm-hmm. um, keep the modern mindset brand, but do it as a podcast rather than a radio show. So, yeah, weird, but I accidentally became a broadcaster. It wasn't my ambition or intention, but, you know, I love doing it. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. And the thing that I thought sort of got my attention was I did your show only a few months back prior to launch. And since then, you have landed some really impressive guests. And that's kind of the thing I wanted to sort of pull apart a little bit was to find out uh, what your what your approach and strategy has been that has allowed you to to sort of get guests at at the level of some of the people you've spoken with so 
early on in your in your uh, in the life of your show. Yeah. So that that originally, I mean, the the podcast was launched following like doing it for about two years on on kind of a national radio station. So having that national radio station enabled me to get sometimes big brands use celebrities and high profile people as ambassadors mm-hmm. to communicate their message. Right. So that already gave me the ability to already access quite high, you know, high profile speakers. And one of the people that I interviewed, um, and it must've been, I interviewed him twice. So I met him when I was speaking on stage at an event, uh, a guy called Doug Vermeeren, who yeah, was- Yeah, I know Doug. Yeah, so he he was producing a new movie that's just come out recently called How Thoughts Become Things. Mm-hmm. And because he was on my show a couple of times, he said, well, look, I don't know if you're interested in interviewing a few of the the cast members and they, they really are positioning this movie as kind of the secret too. Yeah. Um, and uh, so some of the, the people that are in this movie, uh, um, Dr. John Demartini and, and various other people, he said, Hey, would you be interested? So I thought, yeah, absolutely. Cause I'm interested in that kind of stuff anyway. Yeah. You know, my whole thought on the law of attraction is that, you know, yeah, there's parts of it I believe in, but, the idea that you can just look at a vision board and will yourself to have a mansion and a Ferrari, I think is bullshit. So I wanted to quiz these people and say, right, how much of it is actually, you know, doing what's necessary to actually kind of make, make the, the, the idea you have in your head, uh, real. Um, so it's a combination really of, of kind of having a reasonable network, uh, reaching out to people, um, but also being known for someone that, you know, can have, reasonably good interviews with someone because sometimes and you you'll have experienced this manny yeah sometimes people that do podcasts it's all about their ego rather than finding some good content sometimes yeah well a lot of the times you know (laughs) and and the question the questions are kind of so tell me about your story you know and it's just and, and there's no engagement there's no rapport so you know i think once you've you've done it a little bit and then you're kind of known as a safe pair of hands then you get referred to and recommended to to other people, which definitely helps. Yeah, that I, I, I like, well, first of all, let me say, as I imagine you have, I have done hundreds of interviews now at this point. And uh, it is a small minority who have, I would say any sense of what a conversation should feel like. I can't tell you how many times I could have just had a stand in, read my story for an interview and they never would have known the difference. Um, so I agree with you there. Uh, so, so it sounds like other than sort of starting off with a, a, a pretty nice network and a couple of good connections, at this point, there is no secret that you have, unfortunately, for the listeners. <laughs> you, don't have a, you don't have a hack for us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would say that the hack, if, if there is one, is playing to the ego of the um, – of, of the, you know, person that you want to interview. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and also relevancy, you know, it helped me in, in terms of getting some high profile uh, guests to say that I'm on a, on a national radio station in the UK uh-huh. and the only radio station that deals with finance and business. Yeah. So, you know, that that's the kind of thing that elevates it because, you know, no offense to a lot of podcasts, but the audiences are tiny. So you can't really leverage the audience of that if you have a podcast, but you can leverage the the relevancy. So depending on what your podcast is, is called, you can do that, you know, so how I play to the, the, the ego and the relevancy, well, everyone has unique ways of thinking about stuff. 
So in my podcast, Modern Mindset enables me to say, well, but what's your take on that? What's your unique strategies? What's your belief systems that other people could adopt? Yeah. And and the intro to my podcast is, you know, again, it plays to the ego of the potential um, guests because it, you know, the the intro is picking the brains of the world's leading minds. Mm -hmm. So anyone that hears that is like, oh, the world's leading minds. So again, it, it kind of it makes them want to be a kind of a part of that. And the reality is, anyone can glean something of value from someone that is. A top performer in a particular area or has solved a particular problem so i think there needs to be a payoff for the audience but it also needs to give the the, the person some value as well so a lot of other podcasters do it as well but what i do is i create unique artwork for each and every episode and what mm -hmm. that does is it encourages them to share it on their own social media channels and that kind of stuff yeah. so they know if they're a guest on my show that you know one i've got you know a it's going to go out on the radio station as well as the the podcast but equally they're going to get shareable content and and you know and it's if they listen to any of the other ones they they have a reasonable assumption that it should be a, a good conversation where they're going to be able to deliver their message yeah i, I think that um <clears throat> well back to the so tell me about your story you know um you've got to give each person, each guest, uh, a little bit of room to, I, I mean, it sounds so silly to say, but to shine. Right. And if you're stuck in your script and you're stuck in your sort of like your conversational agenda, um, I, I think that you limit your opportunity to do that. Who are some of your podcast hosts that you really sort of like, or, or maybe even would want to emulate in their, in their interview style? I mean, you know, the, the the king of podcasting is is Joe Rogan, you know, and I think what he has the ability to do is he can have a conversation with, uh, you know, a uh, a mixed martial artist, yeah. you know, about different like chokeholds and kind of positions, mm -hmm. and then he can you know speak to someone like Brian Cox, an astrophysicist. Yeah, he can have Elon Musk, and he can he can have a a level conversation yeah. with very different people. Yeah. Um, and, and also it's crystal clear that he's not going into that conversation with a preconceived idea of all the questions that he's going to ask. The Absolutely. questions that come up are fluid and organic, depending on what comes up in the, in the interview. And, and that that's very different to, I think from a lot of, a lot of podcast hosts. So definitely Joe Rogan. Yeah, I, I would say so too. Uh, to, to pay a little bit of credit where I feel it's due. I'm a big fan of Jordan Harbinger's interviewing style as well. Um, and uh, let's see who else comes to mind right away. It's funny, you know, I, I don't like, as I'm sure if you were pressed, you'd agree. I don't like many podcasts, you know, um, I, the good ones are great. And I think Joe Rogan, of course, would be the, the, he's at the top of the pile right now. You know, I listened to him interview Elon Musk, and then David Lee Roth, and then a fighter, and then Kevin Hart, you know, and he can, and he holds his own with all of them. Oh, he does. I, I listened to the second Kevin Hart one uh, two days ago. It was a great, it was a great conversation, you know, it was, yeah. you know, and you feel, and I think a good podcast host makes the, the audience feel like they're in the room with them. Yeah. Like they could be, they could be kind of having that kind of conversation with them. Yeah. Um, I also like uh, Russell Brand, you know, I think he, just because he's a he's a crazy guy with a very unique yeah, kind of style, yeah. you know, he's he's got a very engaging podcasts. 
Um, and uh, yeah, you know, there, there, there are a few that I like, but I would agree with you, the vast majority, it's kind of like, it's a very stale format in a, in a way. And, and I think yeah, that's yeah. the, when, when you, and, and that, that's the, the one thing about the Q and a kind of thing is that it's the easiest format to have with podcasts, but it's the format that's been done the most. Yeah. And, you know, it's difficult to find a niche when there's so many people doing that kind of Q and a uh, format. But the yeah. good thing about that is that because the barriers of entry are, are, are so low, it creates that kind of opportunity. And I, and I think for me that the purpose mainly of, of me doing podcasts and radio shows are because I'm genuinely interested in what the guests have to say. So I kind of treat it as, well, I want to pick the brains of these people. Yeah. And if anyone else benefits, well, hey, that's a bonus. And by doing that, you have genuine enthusiasm and, and, and a genuine, genuine curiosity, which I think makes it much more conversational. And the side effect of that is that you expand your network because it's difficult yeah. to have a 25 minute, half an hour conversation with someone without learning about that person, without building rapport, without <laughs> finding a connection. You know, it's tough to, to have a conversation like that with, without doing that. So, you know, the, for, for me, the, the audience is secondary. And I think a lot of people go into podcasting or they go into YouTube, so they go into broadcasting for their ego. You know, it's kind of, hey, look at me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm famous or I'm, I'm broadcasting to all these people. And I think these days, because there are, there is more choice with audio content than ever before. I think people can smell those people out pretty quick and, and think, yeah, you're kind of a dick here. And, and I don't really want to yeah. think your ego. Now that's an interesting one because, um, I will say this with all the love and respect uh, that I have for what he's done, but like Jordan Harbinger, he is kind of a dick, you know, <laughs> but he is a, 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 you can't take anything away from his interview skills, you know? And, and then when I say he's kind of a dick, what I mean is on some of the interviews, he comes across that way. Sure. Uh, I had him on my show. We've chatted a couple times found him to be a wonderful, engaging person. But, you know, like, like, I think, I think he might have entered into it. And I don't want to talk too much about other people, but for the same reason that you did and that I do, which is first and foremost, I really like having, I really like this thing that social media and podcasting has created where I can have the conversations I want to have with the people that I'm interested in uh, at a, you know, to an extent, right? You have to work your way up to certain stratas of people. Yeah. But, um, you know, one of the things that I sort of learned slowly about myself is one of the things that makes me the absolute happiest is where I'm in my zone is having great conversations. And prior to social media and podcasting, you couldn't really make money doing that. Not, not only could you not make money, but it, it would come across weird. And, and this yeah. is kind of, you know, when I had my radio show, I kind of thought, well, this is now a reason that I can reach out to all these people that I really want to, you know, get to know and, and kind of learn how they think and ask kind of questions. Yeah. But if I did it without a radio show and I said, hey, I really like what you do. Can I just speak to you for a bit? Yeah. They'd be like, who's this fucking weirdo? Yeah, you know, exactly. so. It, it gives it gives a, a premise where everyone knows what it's about, that the, yeah. the guest gets access to a, a, an audience and, and mm -hmm. deliver their message. But also the host gets to, you know, 
steer the ship as to kind of where it's going yeah. and what kind of questions you follow in it. And yeah. if it's done right, nobody loses. You know, it's a genuine win-win. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that that you touched on that I wanted to ask you your thoughts about, um, since there are so many podcasts, um, and in general, so many people whose whose sort of work centers around um, some version of that sort of virtuous dynamic of you help me, I'll help you. Uh, and since there are so many, most of them are not very good, right? That's, you know. That's an 80-20 rule. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like the 95-5 rule here, <laughs> however. And, and you know, I think, that, I think that Cialdini talked a lot about that in Persuasion, where he said the 80-20 rule is seldom only 80-20. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but um, so do you believe that, what are your thoughts on the importance of just being good at the art form? I, th I think will I that think, will that will that you it's know. not enough no it's not okay. enough to be yeah. an excellent interviewer um you know because because the competition is so so big you you have to kind of find different ways of promoting it and 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 i think you know or finding a really a really clever niche so you know i'm a, i'm a big fan of leveraging you know time or you know networks or access to things that you already have I, I think if you can find a a really interesting niche, that's going to have way more power than being a great um, interviewer or, or a great yeah. host. Um, the the second podcast that I created, and it was only it was only a couple of months ago, right. and, and you know I'm a hypnotherapist in 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 London, and because I'm an audio geek, I mean I've got so much kit here, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, I would do the sessions with um, my clients. And I had a a Rode NTG2 shotgun mic. I had the the Zoom, um, you know, H5, and I'd kind of. So when I'm doing the the hypnosis sessions with the with the clients, one of the bonuses, and they would never know about it until they go into the session. I say, hey, look, I'm going to record this, and I'm going to send it over to you. So you're not just you don't just get the value of this session, but you get to listen to it as many times as you want. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of thought, you know, after I launched my first podcast. I'm like, I've done hundreds of hypnosis sessions in studio quality audio, and I'm doing nothing with oh, that yeah. audio. So I kind of thought, you know, most of the hypnosis podcasts that are out there are one of two varieties. You either get hypnotists and trainers educating people on how to do different techniques, and that's a saturated market, mm -hmm. or you get people script reading, uh, and, and it sounds really dry. And, you know, hypnosis... You know, hypnosis, when you do it to a person, is very different than when you read a script. It's kind of like if someone was reading out stand-up comedy on a script, right, it yeah. loses the very point of, of what it is. Hypnosis yeah. is, is, a, is a symbiotic kind of thing where you need a person to do it too. So sure. I kind of thought, well, what if I launch a podcast where people get to be a fly on the wall of a real hypnosis session? And, and kind of if they have the similar kind of issue to the person that the session was about, they're also going to benefit from that. Yeah. So again, that that's not a Q and a kind of format, but again, it, it's yeah. done really well as a, as a podcast just by being a bit different, but I don't think being an excellent interview or an excellent broadcast is enough to kind of just, just make it. I mean, if you look at Joe Rogan, his first podcast was shit. Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw it, you know, with the, all the graphics on screen and the audio. One of the best things that any podcaster can do is look at Joe Rogan's first, not even first one, but like first four or five episodes. The, the reason why he's so good 
you get good at doing something for 11 years. You know, when you've done 1,500 episodes, yeah. even if you were shit to begin with, you're going to get fucking good at the end of that. And, right. and he, you know, he shows that consistency is one of the key things as well that makes a, a really successful podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, there's much as we might like to sort of buy into the mythology, there's nothing that will take the place of consistency. Right. And, and I think, I think in this day and age, especially for those of us who do business on social media, there's a definite like prevalent mythology that somehow you can get around consistency and putting the time in. Um, there is one exception to that, Manny. And and I know a few podcast agencies here in, in central London, mm -hmm. and they have a strategy which works. And, and, and that strategy is that you have it hosted by a very famous celebrity you know, and you already line up other celebrity sure. guests, you know, and, and, you know, it consistently gets to the top of numerous charts, hmm. not because they're excellent, you know, hosts and presenters. It's yeah. because they bring, they bring a name and they've got a few yeah. million people on Instagram and they've got a pre-existing audience that they just migrate over to the podcast. And, and, and if, uh, if I would say there is one hack, yeah, you just have to be super famous with a few million followers. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> okay. It's the million dollar hack. Like literally it's, you've got to spend a million dollars to get around the, yeah. um, that to me seems the equivalent of, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's like, what's even the value to you, Adam, as the, as the ostensible host of the podcast or something, if you've got a, a celebrity doing the interviews and a, and a, a company lining up the, you know what I mean? Like what's the, what, what, what they do is it's about monetization because, you know, sure. you, get, you get people that have, you know, a few million followers on Instagram or a few hundred yeah. thousand on Instagram. Maybe they're on reality TV and, you know, maybe they're not great business people, but maybe they've got a quite good personality. And and then you've got an agency that says, hey, we'll do everything. We'll sort out the studio. We'll arrange the guests. We'll even give you the questions to ask. All you've got to do is go in front of a microphone, ask a few questions, and we'll take care of everything else. Oh, I see. And then, and then the sponsor, that's where the money comes in. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, of course. That. So okay. it's yeah i thought you were saying that i would go to this agency and they would bring in a guest as an interviewer i misunderstood no no i mean okay. that i get yeah, you that, that, yeah that, that's that's how you can avoid the law of consistency and competency mm -hmm. yeah i understand i understand it, now yeah already yeah you have professionals do everything but be you exactly yeah okay, i got you I, so it really is the million dollar hack yeah you have to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna cost you a million bucks that's fascinating. I mean, it makes sense, right? Especially, especially because um, to seem can be more valuable these days than to be, at least in the short run. Um, now that's an interesting uh, segue too, because you're not just a podcaster; you're in PR, right? Yeah. Um, what do you? So, from a perspective of a guy who's been in PR for a long time. Um, do you think that that's really true? Can we really take someone who has no sort of deeper skills, but only knows how to grow their Instagram channel and, and sustain them as a celebrity brand? Sustaining oh. is tricky. And, and, and that's, yeah. that's why they explore different kind of things. So someone mm -hmm. might originally, 
you know, we, we, we have TV show here. I don't know if you have something similar over there called Love Island. And basically you've got very attractive, you know, 20 year olds um, and they all go on an island. And basically the goal is to kind of couple up while you're on there. Now, yeah. because it's, it's popular, it's always on prime time. Their Instagram followers just go, they, they explode. So yeah. what it does is it means that these are people that. Hey, Manny here. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the importance of growing your own personal brand and your own audience. In this day and age, if you do business on social media or on the internet in general, you need to be focused on your personal brand. And your personal brand is a function of what people say, think, and feel about you behind your back. And that's where we can come in and help you tremendously. So I'd like to invite you to go over to my website mannywolf.com where you can either schedule a call with me or my team or you can learn about the ways that we can help you to grow your audience powerfully and quickly. In this day and age content is absolutely king and if you don't have a content strategy you can't expect big results and what we do is we help you with powerful powerful content strategies. In short we can put you everywhere all the time without you doing hardly any work. Sounds kind of cool, right? If you'd like to learn more, head over to mannywolf.com and either book a call or look into one of the ways that we have already prepared to help you rapidly grow your audience, grow your trust, your authority, your personal brand, and of course, through all of those things, grow your business. All right, now back to the show. You know, probably we're working on minimum wage jobs or doing a bit of, you know, kind of freelance modeling, you know, work. And then here they are, and everyone knows their name. Yeah. Well, the key thing is there are lots of companies out there that specialize in taking celebrities and then monetizing that celebrity brand. Uh, yeah, effectively. Yeah. yeah the brand. So sometimes it might be someone saying, hey, you could be a pop star or it might be someone else. Hey, you can do public appearances or it might be, you know, you could promote this protein shake or this slimming sure. thing or whatever it might be. Yeah. So podcasting is just another channel in which, you know, if you've got someone that's really popular with teenage girls, you know, and then you have a podcast, and you know, it's going to be, you know, doing that, a retailer that wants to communicate to those teenage girls would be happy to sponsor that because it's a very targeted audience and it aligns with someone that kind of fits with their brand. So, so there are, there are kind of ways of doing that, but sustaining a celebrity without the monetization of it is very, very tricky to do. And I think, yeah. you know, that that's where Instagram has really helped people because they can do you know adverts they, they can literally make a career of just having a few million followers on on yeah. instagram whereas that yeah. really wasn't possible you know going back 15 years ago you know you had to be in magazines you had to be on tv all the time to kind of sustain it whereas now social media enables you to kind of find your particular audience and then kind of keep doing that and so long as you know it you know and and, and the great thing with digital marketing is you can monitor and measure conversion rates cost for acquisitions you know as long as it keeps making people money, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll keep sustaining their own kind of brand. Um, but, you know, podcasting, I think, is is a bit trickier. And, and you know, you tend to see that, yeah, they might do a season or two of podcasts. Right. But if they're really not good, you know, because, again, there is so much choice. Well, the audience is just going to find someone that they do connect with and, and move away from that one. And they'll, again, just be a flash in the pan. Yeah. One of the um, one of the TV shows that I'm fascinated by right now is uh, comedians in cars getting coffee. 
Yeah. You watched that one? Yeah. Yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah. So it's really, it's, it's, I've always been fascinated by how singular the discipline of stand up comedy is. There's nothing else quite like it, right? Mm. And and the reason I bring that up compared to this is because he's always talking with his guests about how there's no way to fake it. It's just right there. It's just, you know, it's it's like um, trying to fake being a good street fighter. We're yeah. going to figure out pretty quick yeah, totally. whether you're actually good or not. <laughs> you know, it's, it's only going to take a couple of seconds to get to the bottom of that mystery. Mm-hmm. Um and it it seems like uh, I'd like more of that, that immediacy and that truth to sort of be present in this world that you and I work in, you know. Um, I mean, I don't know that there's there's much you and I can do about it here in this conversation, <laughs> but um, I, I think the interesting thing is, and 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 I mean that, that that's a great show, and it, and it basically is. It's a podcast format, but it happens to be them driving around in, in yeah. fairly cool cars with unique guests. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's the thing that, you know, celebrities and, and someone like Joe Rogan and, and Jerry Seinfeld can do. They can. And David Letterman, they can get excellent guests. You know, that that's one of the key things you can do. And, and the guests, the caliber guests can, you know, dramatically, you know, in, increase. You know, I, I did an April Fool's joke where I pretended. I, I, it was, yeah. Yeah, there was a, there was a guy that that worked for me who who did a, a half decent impression of a a naturalist, David Attenborough. So I I just interviewed him and then pretended and and that was you know it, at the time it was my most popular podcast because people were like wow you know you've managed to get David Attenborough, you know yeah it was a, a prank and a few people got really pissed off with me but you know effectively it's that that taught me that the better caliber guests you you get you know, then the more it works. And and someone like Joe Rogan, he can he can have top comedians, he can have Hollywood A-listers in his studio yeah. all the time. But then that gives him the ability to make, you know, when, when he interviewed Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. um, he wasn't that well known at that point, you know. So, but because he had the audience, again, it was a fascinating conversation, but they both benefit from that. And I think, you know, the, the goal of getting high caliber guests you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it's just good timing. Sometimes it's, it's an in that you've got or whatever it might be, but you know, that, that can make, that can make the big difference because once you've got one, you know, what I would do and, and sometimes what I do when I'm interviewed on podcast, I look at the previous guests and say, right, how many of these people do I recognize? And if I don't recognize any, then it's kind of like, I know, I know it's, you know, I, I kind of think of it differently. Whereas, you know, when you've got high caliber guests and it's like, oh, they're an author, you know, oh, I've seen them before on, on a stage or whatever else. Then you start thinking, ah, oh, okay, you take it seriously. And then that becomes leverage to get more. So the game really is, you know, as you say, leveling up to kind of get better and better, yeah. you know, guests. But yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting one. The, the downside though, particularly in personal development, is that a lot of people that, you know, have written a book or speak on stage, you know, they, they've got their material ready made. You know, when I interviewed John Martini, this guy speaks like, like three, 400 appearances every single year. You know, yeah. this guy is nonstop speaking. So I kind of knew that pretty much whatever question I ask him, he's got the ability to kind of step into material that he said on stage consistently. Yeah, exactly. so the thing is, 
he's going to be he's going to be a reliable guest with interesting things to say because it's the kind of thing he says all the time. But the but but the tricky thing sometimes is to try and get something new out of someone like that. The value of having someone that is a little less experienced. So a, about um, a month ago, um, the the author of Ego State Therapy, he's like real you know, uh, a wizard in terms of a particular type of therapy. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't do many interviews, you know, whereas a lot of people that speak on stage and do Facebook Lives every day, yeah. they've got their content ready-made. And that's that, I think, becomes a barrier to authenticity because oh effectively God, they're yes. regurgitating yes. the same kind of stuff again and again. And it's kind of like, you know, that they've crafted their positioning story. So when you yeah. hear Tony Robbins talk about being in a 400 square foot apartment in Venice and washing dishes, in yeah, <laughs> yeah. he said that thousands of times yeah. and, and, and people are learning a similar kind of skill to, and, and it almost becomes too slick and, and that, you know, takes away the connection with the audience. I could not agree with you more, man. Oh, so, you know, that feeling when you can't remember a word and then you remember it. Mm. That's the kind of relief I just got from hearing someone else talk about that. Like, so when I first was making the rounds podcasting, it was because I had released my book. Everybody wanted to know my life story. You know, that's, and, and uh, I mean, there's something to be said, especially five years ago for the format of just talking about someone's backstory. Um, it's done to death now. And, and it was never done that well by most people as with everything because of the 80, 20 rule. But I got to the point as the guy being interviewed where it's like, I could do these things in my sleep now, Mm. you know, and I've, I've shared them on stage. It, it was like you were telling my autobiography of my experience growing my own personal brand just now. Mm. And so I've interviewed, um, the bulk of people I've interviewed, and this has partly been by design, have been just my colleagues and my peers. Um, I've interviewed some celebrities or at least micro celebrities, you know, like I had Jordan, Hal Elrod, um, uh, drawing a blank now at the moment, but but some people who, who like, like Hal was just like you said. He's a wonderful guy, really a generous spirit. And, and, and I would say to the best I can tell, a beautiful human being. But man, his interview patter is just press and go. Mm. It's just press and go. I didn't get a single original thought out of the guy. Yeah. I barely had time to speak, if I'm being honest, you know. And this is not in any way to besmirch him. He he was generous with his time. He was sweet. He was, you know, um accessible. But when it came time for the interview, <laughs> it was like, it was, you know, it was the Hal show, man. <laughs> and man, he was just on the side. I might as well have been a sock puppet. It did not matter that I was there, you know. Um, and I think that you're absolutely right. It absolutely is slick patter and repartee at the expense of any meaningful connection. Since then, I've gone on to interview, uh, I don't know, dozens of authors, dozens of speakers, you know, and and yeah, yeah, man, you really got something there. It's like it's it's maybe the uh, the thing you have to be aware of as you sort of try to ascend the level of celebrity that you're interviewing. 
Yeah, oh. it, it's, it's a balance because some of them want to play the game and, and, and they're there to, you know, promote a lead magnet or to right. whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever, they, they have an agenda. So, so you have to look at it a bit like a Venn diagram and say, right, well, how, how do we make it beneficial for the guests, but also beneficial for the audience? So they're right. not just hearing, you know, exactly the same interview that they could have heard on a different podcast. And I think, yeah. I think part of that is, you know, rapport building, but it's also the pattern interrupts, you know, it's kind of asking such a unique question that they yeah. couldn't possibly have prepared that before yeah. and then that can kind of you know break them out of that kind of autopilot and 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 people recognize when people are on autopilot and and it turns people off you know and on a podcast literally they'll find the off button you know so yeah. <laughs> again it becomes a win-win to have a, a guest that is engaged and 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 sometimes you know what i tend to do is is use that five minutes before it starts to really really build the rapport and 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 kind of find a few nuggets you know, about their life. So then when I'm doing the interview, then I can kind of feed that in. So it kind of, it feels more conversational to the audience listening, but equally there is that ability that when you then ask a unique question, because the rapport is already there, you don't get that fuck you response. Yeah. You know, like, you, hold yeah. on, you've, you've gone off on a tangent. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's Where, not the approved script. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But a lot of the time with, with podcasts, it's not, it's not as controlled as if you're interviewing an A-list celebrity to promote a movie and yeah. there's like three publicists just are just off camera. The moment yeah. you ask one question, you know, then they're gonna jump down on that. So there is a bit more leeway, I think, but but you're right, with with certain people, they they can do this, you know, eyes closed in their sleep, and therefore it's not normally a great interview. And that, and that's a shame for the audience because the, the, these people normally have got great things to say, but it's it's too robotic, and so that's where it becomes our job, right? Mm. Um, and there's a lot of it's interesting because, like, there's a lot of nuance to what we need to do to be good as interviewers. It's kind of like I, I used to paint houses, and and I would tell people the way that you know a good paint job is that it, it like that wall there looks like it was just carved out of something that color. Like mm. there's no sign that I was here. And that's kind of what we're after, you know, when it comes like David Letterman is so good at this, right? He, did you, you watch his show? My next guest is. Yeah. On, on Netflix. Great. Yeah. Great. He's, he's an, uh, an exceptional interviewer. Just so good. It, it is so natural. You don't see any of the pulleys or springs or levers it's just all unvarnished, you know, and, and he, I thought he, you know, he got powerful, powerful stuff out of Kanye West of all people, mm. you know, and Kim Kardashian. That's the first time I saw her as a human being, you know, <laughs> I mean, because all she is is a social media persona. Um, that's the thing. The higher up you go in terms of guests, the more polished and media trained they are. Right, exactly. The more able they are to stay on script. And I, and I think I don't know if you're familiar with Louis Theroux uh, as the, the the kind of investigative journalist, but he he his style um, is that he he builds such a strong relationship with you know normally quite strange and unusual people, yeah. so that they are then willing to reveal what they what their true thoughts are. So to yeah. begin with they've got this kind of barrier, this kind of defense. 
Yeah, he's very disarming, and 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 I think you know you can learn a lot. You know, my 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 tip really to any aspiring or current podcaster, you know, if you were an artist, you would you would kind of copy the the masters, you know, and there are masters that exist in in yeah. podcasting that are exceptional, and and you've got to yeah. you've got to learn from them because they've got approaches and and styles of asking questions that really unlocks the kind of veneer of too polished too media trained and, yeah. and when you can do that well then it's, a, it's normally a great interview but you know th there is this element of fear i guess because once you record something you know words can be taken out of context and things like that so there has to be an element of trust as well yeah. because if yeah. word gets around that you're you're going to trip people up and and try and make them look bad just to kind of boost your your kind sure. of problems well then that will also mean that you're going to get blacklisted and and then nobody yeah. would want to be in your show so there is there is there has to be that that kind of two-way you know kind of mutual trust there as well that you know you're not going to try and you know embarrass or you know humiliate someone of course yeah no that's that that adds yet another interesting dynamic and or level to the dynamic, right? Um, I'm fascinated by things like this, Adam. Things that on the surface look so simple, maybe not easy, but simple, and yet there's so much underneath them, right? Um, so now we're we're really talking about looking as as the interviewer and the show host looking deep into protecting your own integrity, your own reputation, you know, um, as you, as you, um, I guess, I guess ostensibly seek higher and higher level guests for your show. Um, who do you think besides obviously Joe Rogan, who do you think is really handles the celebrity interviews? Well, is there somebody you would point us to as a great example of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I'm I'm not a big fan of the the, the polished format. So you know, yeah. there, there's a hypnotist, um, British hypnotist called Paul McKenna, and I, I like a lot of what he does. You know, he he's a very competent, talented hypnotist. Yeah, but I kind of find his um, podcast a little bit, you know, kind of kind of formulaic. You know, it's sure. kind of like you know, so so I, I like I like things which aren't you know, kind of scripted that kind of are very intuitive and, and kind of feel like a conversation, like they could go in any, any direction that said, you know, Russell Brand, he, he comes armed with his podcast mm -hmm. and you just see him there with like, you know, reams and reams of notes, you know, he's really gone deep into the, into mm -hmm. the research. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of kind of those that have probably no preparation, kind of Joe Rogan style. Yeah. Just kind of, let, let's just have a chat and see what comes up. But I also like the people that throw up really interesting questions because it gives you a deeper insight. Then it's not going to be superficial stuff, particularly yeah. for the really media trained, you know, kind of people yeah. Yeah. where they can just kind of they know exactly what to say to kind of deliver and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, if you dig deep, then they're kind of they're surprised. It's like, how do you know that? You know, yeah. so I, I guess it the, the, the balance really is the best of both worlds where you do an element of research. So quite often, for example, I mean, I had a guest on my show um, last week, and this was a, a lady that at the age of 10 years old was in a, a plane crash. She lost both mm -hmm. of her parents. She lost her brother. She had burns virtually to every single part of her body. And, you know, for, for me, I, I wanted to ask different questions. So I, I kind of, I listened to a couple of podcasts that she'd been on. 
just so I can could have a different kind of take on stuff because otherwise my podcast is going to be no different from any other podcast that she's she's right. been on. Right. So, you know, and, and and my key thing with her is kind of like, was she angry? Uh, you know, being called Freddy Krueger when she was at school. You know, you know, where where's the emotional bit? Yeah. And and I think if you can kind of dig deep into that kind of stuff, yeah. then it becomes an, an interesting. So I guess the, for for me, the ideal balance is do enough research so you can ask quality questions, but don't don't make don't be a slave to the questions that you've got written down because then it's gonna right. not not flow. This is it's so much juicy stuff to to think about here. I uh, I really love this. Um, what about where do you think? How do you think? Uh, in what way do you think that the the element of sort of I want to say here's what's happening for me as you say these things. I'm agreeing with you like vigorously, and I'm analyzing my own approach to interviewing. My own approach has been, and it's been almost a hundred percent approaching a hundred percent success rate in my mind and in the mind of people who give me their feedback which I don't say to brag, but my approach has been no scripting, no research, no nothing. In fact, I don't want to know anything new about you between the time I invite you on my show and the time you come on. I I feel like a couple of things. I feel like I've been incredibly lucky, right? <laughs> because, because, uh, my feedback that I get from the world is that the interviews are good. And, and so I'm trying to be careful not to say that I think they are, right? But my feedback is that people really enjoy the interviews. I'm getting, even just in this newest series that I started at the beginning of this quarantine, it had started off originally as the Quarantine All-Stars Masterclass series. And then I just shifted it over to the Manny Wolf show because I didn't want to keep talking about the quarantine, you know? Um, and And I feel like, we get to some really magical places, you know? I feel like you and I have even gotten into some stuff here that is like, you, you the thing you said about the, the veneer of the polished guests and everything was very gratifying to me. And I'm hoping that for the guests it is too. All of that is to say, I respect you. I respect your body of work. And I'm hearing you having a different approach to mine. And there's a part of me that says, oh, no, you're not doing it the way Adam does, right? So then the question is, at what, where does trusting your own sort of growth curve and intuition come into the way that you approach, that one approaches their interview style? Mm. I, I, th I think it's such an important thing because what makes podcasting such a popular and, and growing in popularity is not the answers to the questions. It's, it's not the facts, you know, it, it's, it's two things. It's the, it, it's the, the personable approach, you know, yeah. what, what made, what makes radio still incredibly popular is that it's a one-to-one -one medium. So like someone told me, and I have a broadcast PR agency. Someone said like with TV, you feel like, you're watching it and everyone else is watching it as well. Yeah. But with radio, um, you feel like you're listening, you know, and, it, and it's a, an individual experience. 
And even radio presenters, when they're talking to the audience, they don't say, hey, everyone. It's kind of like, you know, yeah. it's you. And, and what do you think? You know, call in with yeah. your idea. You know, so it's a one-to-one -one medium. So podcasting for me is, is like radio, but with audiences that you're cultivating rather than inheriting. With um with the with the emotional element because it has that kind of inclusive element it kind of feels you know like you're you're kind of not just eavesdropping on a conversation but somehow you're involved in that conversation yeah therefore yeah. if if it doesn't relate to the intuition and the personality of the host why are you listening you know it has to you have to be invested in the person uh, and 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 i kind of you know, sometimes I will watch the same guest that's been interviewed on Joe Rogan on three different podcasts. And I, I like watching on YouTube as, as well as listening on because I want to see, right, what what do other great podcasters do in a different way? So yeah. you know, Jordan Peterson, for example, um, I watched and, and Darren Brown, who I'm a big fan of. I saw him being interviewed on Joe Rogan, but then also on Russell Brand and on a couple of others. And it's kind of like that gave me a similar kind of insight to to the one that perhaps you've got, which is my style before was, right, my research is I'm going to ask them two or three minutes worth of questions before the show starts, and then we're good to go. Yeah. But then I kind of thought, well, not everyone is doing it that way. Some people are, they, they want to kind of peel, peel off the levels and kind of get a bit deeper. Yeah. And it's difficult to do that without context. So if you just kind of say, you know, Oh, so what's the most interesting thing that ever happened to you? Well, then you're not necessarily being specific enough to kind of reveal a particular thing. Whereas if you know that someone, you know, was, you know, had a, a particular emotive experience, but you have a different question about that experience than anyone else, mm -hmm. that does two things. It gives the audience access to something brand new and it completely interrupts the pattern of the person that you're speaking to because they're like, well, I kind of respect that you knew that but also that you're asking a different question than I've ever asked before. So therefore it has to be original content. Yeah. So then we do just trust our own process to some extent, as long as we're not getting apathetic with it. And as long as we're not sort of letting the knife edge dull. As, I, as I, 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 th I think so. And, and because I've been on the receiving end of, of, people that have interviewed me that have done no research whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it, it can be, I, w I won't say boring interviews, but it, but it, it doesn't get juicy enough as it, as it could do had they done a bit more kind right. of research. Um, but, but equally, you know, you can tell when someone is just doing it and you can tell when someone's really interested. Uh, I was on a, not a podcast, but a New York radio station last week. And, all the questions were, you know, cookie cutter questions that any yeah. guest is going to get exactly the same questions. Yeah. And then straight after the answer, alrighty then. And then the next question, <laughs> kind of like, where's, the, where's the conversation flowing here? It's just kind of, you know, I could have just emailed you these. Did you feel like you were an entrepreneur that had been set on fire? <laughs> Definitely not. I, I felt it was it was a weird it was a weird kind of thing. It was kind of like, oh, I, I was kind of disappointed because I kind of thought, yeah. you know. Um, it, it didn't meet my expectation and I'm not expecting everyone to, to kind of do like extensive research, but you know, if I've said something really interesting, you know, or unique in the previous answer, well, maybe kind of come off that bit than the question that you have sure. next on the list 
because then it's gonna flow a bit better, you know. It's, oh, it wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> now it sounds like you want us to have a conversation where one idea leads to the next in an organic fashion. Yeah, that's shocking, isn't what it? The absolute <laughs> hell. By the way, for anyone listening, I have no idea what my last comment meant. I am not condoning setting entrepreneurs on fire in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> just, just so that we're clear. Nice disclaimer: you don't want to get sued. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want that. Um, <laughs> so, um, just take a little breath here. <laughs> take a moment to reset after that uh, uh, passive aggressive bashing. <laughs> um, I'm loving that. <laughs> that this is where this is going because I feel like some of the early players in the podcast space really did set a precedent of a very formulaic kind of interview, a very formulaic flow. Um, I, I, I don't think I will ever willingly do another episode of a podcast that has three lightning round questions at the end. As an example, you know, I've done a lot of those and, and obviously they all came from one place. Um, but all that I keep thinking about as we're having this conversation, as I said, I've done many, 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 many interviews all based around basically a, a, a re a summarization of my book. That's what it really was. Right. Out of those, I had precisely one person who took the time to have his assistant go through the book and summarize it. And I'll never forget that feeling. And I think uh, as a guest, at least, maybe, I don't know as a listener how this affected people, but as a guest, he asked me a question that was deep and insightful and personal right from my book. And I remember just feeling like, oh, wow, like I mm. didn't see that coming. And I remember the feeling of the entire conversation from my end changing after that moment. Um, I, I think that we don't all, especially as, as hosts, maybe want the same thing. And I think you alluded to this earlier from our shows, right? They have different objectives. They have different agendas. Um, let me say this in, in sort of like wrapping this up because we're coming to time now. I really have have loved where this conversation has gone. And it's sort of meta because not only did we go organically and go in a very sort of supple way, but we did that while talking about how much you value that. You know what I mean? And I think that's a very cool thing. Um, tell us where we can go find out more about you. We'll give you the gratuitous sort of end of the show, you know, <laughs> plug. Um, so okay. share that with us. And then let me just say, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for sort of, you know, having faith that the, that the conversation would go in a meaningful way. And, and, and I feel it really did. I thought you did a wonderful job. No, thank you. Um, no, appreciate being a guest today, Manny. Really appreciate that. Um, I, you know, the show is pimp my podcast so it makes sense the the rather than give web pages and things like that i have two podcasts one is called modern mindset with adam yeah. cox which is on you know all all kind of channels and then the second one where you kind of eavesdrop on me doing hypnosis sessions with clients is simply called the hypnotist um so check out those and uh or, or just google adam cox and you know my my yeah. bold head will, will come up 
So remember, it's the bald-headed Adam Cox who has two podcasts. Like me, you were probably disappointed at some point to learn you're not the only Adam Cox in the world. Like, well, I, I I do this thing where I I have my own name on on Google News alerts, so mm-hmm. any media coverage I get, I see, and there are. You know, there, there's a an American football player. There is, you know, uh, scientists, doctors. You know, there are lots of other people called Adam Cox. So, uh, yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, no, no one that has two podcasts that that I do. <laughs> First of all, how did I not think to put my own name in Google News alerts? My God, I'm doing that as soon as we hang up. <laughs> Second of all. Um, I bet you're the first one that comes up though, right? You dominate the first page of Google for your name. Yeah. It, mainly because I've got so many different kind of media coverage right. exactly. and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, yeah certainly not the only one. And uh, yeah, you know, one of, one of the things I'm quite proud of, you know, I have a, a phobia brand called phobia guru. Uh, I don't know if it's the same in the U S but in the UK, if you put phobia expert, not only am I, on the first page, but on the first organic result that comes up. And that's where I get lots and lots of free, you know, free traffic, free clients that come from that. And that's simply, you know, by having a different page on every single phobia, you know, that, ex- that exists and, right. and that, right. that, that really helped to kind of build that brand. But um, right. yeah, on, on the podcast, yeah. Modern mindset and the hypnotist. Go find Adam Cox, host of modern mindset, host of the hypnotist. Um, and as you have now heard, a fine guest, and as I can assure you, a fine interviewer as well. Thank you, my friend. Take care. <clears throat> Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Manny Wolf Show. If you know someone that you'd love to have me interview, please go to my website at mannywolf.com. That's M-A-N-N-Y-W-O-L-F-E.com and submit them as a potential guest. We love to bring guests on that our audience wants to hear from. So please help us to find the best guests for you by going to mannywolf.com and submitting anyone that you have in mind to be a great guest, including yourself. And if you'd like to know more about me and what I do, please come over to Facebook and join my group, simply called The Manny Wolf Group. If you'd like to get more into my world where we have all kinds of tips, trainings, valuable stuff for you to help you get better at growing your brand and your audience, please come and join The Manny Wolf Group on Facebook. Until our next episode, I'll see you.